When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. The Edmonton Oilers four-game winning streak is over. Tonight they lose 4-3 to a very potent Winnipeg Jets team. Joel Armia leads the offensive attack for the Jets with two goals. Edmonton scores Puliyarvi. Kara and Dreisaitl, who scored shorthanded. Another note from this game that we'll keep an eye on uh, probably in uh, the next day or two whenever the Jets announce something. Mark Shifley leaving this game with what looked like a shoulder injury in the second period, so that would be a big blow for the Jets if uh, he is indeed gone for a while. You can reach us at 780-496-0063 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre on Oilers Radio 630. Chet. Well, Rob, I mean, we knew the Jets have had some hiccups uh, lately, just three wins in their last ten. But like last year, uh, they're scoring a lot. A big difference from them last year has been they've been getting better goaltending overall this season from Connor Hellebuck. I don't know if this one came down to the goaltending, but I thought the Jets were overall a much quicker and sharper team tonight. Yeah, they were quicker. They're fast on the forecheck. Uh, they're very fast on the transition. We saw that time and time again, and I don't know if it was misplays by the Oilers, bad ice, or just bad decisions, but the Oilers turned the puck over a number of times, either at the blue line, just in or out of the blue line, and Winnipeg quickly just came back the other way. Uh, you know, the, the Jets score four, and that doesn't sound like a good night for your goaltender, but Cam Talbot kept this game close because he probably had six or seven other great saves in this game, and he faced Liney on a, on a breakaway, faced Armia, who had two or three other golden opportunities. So it was, it was a, a night where I think the Oilers made uh, a number of mistakes that, that cost them, and there were just too many sta- mistakes for them tonight to overcome. Just watching the highlights here, and one of them, uh, one face-off in the offensive zone by the Oilers. Brandon Davidson tries a cross-size pass. Not enough mustard on it, and Armia has a breakaway from his own blue line for his second goal of the game. That made it 4-2 in the second period. Goal turned out to be the winner. Yeah, and that just was a it was a tough night, as, as Jack and Bob talked about, for Davidson. He, there was a misread where he pinched up on what he thought was his man, and it was his man, but it was a three-on-two. And all of a sudden, that turns into a two-on-one coming down on them. And on that play there, you know, it wasn't a very good play on the part of the winger. He didn't get in the way of Armia coming out, so there was no no chance, even if the puck gets to Larson, for there to be a shot. But Davidson has to take a look. You can't make a pass without knowing what's happening uh, in, in front of you. And he made a pass, and it was a poor pass, a soft pass. And Larson, he had absolutely no chance. There's nothing he could do there. And also, Armia's got a breakaway from his own blue line. So... The Oilers shot themselves in the foot a number of times tonight, and that was one of them that was costly. 
All right, we'll get to your phone calls in a second. Oilers lose 4-3 to Winnipeg. Let's go back to MTS Bell Place, and here's Oilers center Mark Letestu. Push at the end there. Were you happy with how you finished the game, not necessarily start? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think we, we came here to win a hockey game. Uh, the, the, the days for moral victories are kind of gone. I thought we pushed back we needed to, but uh, we gave them some of their offense tonight. I don't know if that's the break and, and you know, I try not to make excuses to travel this morning. You know, the circumstance we went through, but we weren't sharp early. Uh, I think it led to a lot of their momentum and a lot of the zone time they had. Too many penalties in the third, trying to catch up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not all the penalties were deserved, but... Well, we got them. They made the calls. Uh, it's tough to come back in this league when, when you're killing. Uh, you know, great job of the penalty kill, holding it to four, giving ourselves a chance there at the end. Uh, but we'd certainly like to be uh, at 5-on-5 five five or better uh, more often in that period. Too many, I wouldn't say easy goals, but one was a breakaway, one was a you know, two-on-one. Yeah, I, I thought we, again, I thought just the sharpness in our game uh, wasn't there. Uh, led to a lot of their opportunities, which I thought we kind of fed into it. Uh, you know, good news is we get these guys in, in a couple days and to, to show what we really have. You do get them in a couple days, but they've got two wins against you so far this season. What makes them just such a challenge? Well, they've got a lot of wins against a lot of teams this year. Look at their home record. Uh, their skill up and down the lineup. Goaltenders playing real well. Uh, they're a deep team. They're a good team, and uh, that's why they're beating a lot of teams this year. Those look like a harmless play. Yeah, you know, there's no intent there by Dave. You can tell he just kind of went in uh, awkwardly and... Uh, you know, he's, he's good for our league, uh, but if he misses the next couple and the next time they're through our Edmonton there, that, that wouldn't hurt my feelings. All right, that's center Mark Letestu. Oilers losing 4-3 to the Jets, and he, he made the, uh, the statement there. They, we, we gifted them too many offensive chances tonight. Well, they did. I mean, there was a number of times where the Oilers were in, you know, not great position, but not in horrible position, and they someone would run out of their spot to chase, and now it's an odd man break. And there was probably more odd man breaks for, for Winnipeg than we've seen the Oilers give up in the last dozen games. And there's some talented players on the Winnipeg Jets, and you don't want to be giving them, uh, you know, open looks on the goaltender. And, I mean, some of the goals, they get, a, they get a breakaway on a bad pass on a one draw. I mean, Mark Letestu wins the draw cleanly to his own defenseman. He turns around and he gives up a breakaway. There was one where Davidson ran out of position on a three-on-two and it turns into a, a, a two-on-one. There was one where Benning ran out of position, two-on-one. There's another one where, I don't know how it happened, but Liney ends up with a breakaway. Uh, it just uh, chances, like, it just back up. Just de- try to delay the, the offensive chance and hope that your, defend, your, your, your back-checking forwards can come and somehow disrupt it with sticks in lanes. But the Oilers didn't do that. So I think that uh, Winnipeg, Winnipeg played well, but I think the Oilers played well into Winnipeg's hands on many opportunities that Winnipeg got. Yeah, a lot of pucks the Oilers got as far as the top of the mm-hmm. circle, almost to the blue line, and it would come. Right, and there were a couple times, there was one jet against two or three Oilers, and, and the Winnipeg player was still the guy that worked the puck free. So the Oilers hung in there. Talbot helped. They got some timely goals, but not quite enough tonight as the Jets win at 4-3. That means a $75 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. Rob, they give $25 for every Oilers goal throughout the season. Total is over $2,700. You can follow it on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. All right, 780-496-0063. We'll bring Justin onto the show. Hey, Justin. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing well. Um, my father-in-law had a question I thought I'd ask for him. Um, 
we notice a lot of goalies getting beat over the shoulder throughout the season. Like Connor's first goal, the first or third goal against uh, Calgary, that breakaway he got, and a lot of other ones. Like we're just curious: is are goalies going down a little too early? Is it like are they? Is that something they're trained to do? Is to get on their knees more often than not, or is there something to be that, that is just being read on the ice? No, goaltenders are being taught to go down. Uh, most goaltenders are butterfly goaltenders nowadays. They try to make themselves big. I mean, all you have to do is put a goalie in the net, and you can see how much room there is to shoot. A goalie's not going to cover the whole net, so, so there's going to be parts open. It's harder to hit something upstairs, so the goaltenders try to cover everything up down low and force the, the shooter to make a good shot. Uh, and nowadays, the the shooters are so much better than they were 10 years ago, 15, 20, 25, whatever, so they can pick that spot. But goaltenders are trying to go on percentages. And the percentage say you play a butterfly style, you have a better chance of stopping the puck. Yeah, good question. I, I know, Rob, a couple of weeks ago we were talking specifically about some of the goals from sharp angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Talbot had a little uh, flurry there where he was letting in you know, a goal every game or two from that odd angle. Maybe hash marks are lower. And I asked Kelly Rudy about it when I had him on Inside Sports. And, and Rudy doesn't like the way goalies play those those odd angle shots where they kind of drop down to a knee and they're mm-hmm. ready to push off as opposed to be ready a shot from the bad angle. But again, it's playing percentages. Usually you think if a guy's going to shoot from that angle, he won't be able to pick a little square yep. over top of my right or left shoulder. It's, I mean, hey, I'm not arguing with the people that watch all the games in the league and get frustrated when those go in, but I think that's why they're they're playing yeah, that way. It's all percentages. You can't cover the whole net. You, you just There's no goaltender that is six feet wide or whatever the nets are. So there's going to be spots that are open. So you play the percentages and you force the, the, the player to make a perfect shot. Sometimes he does. But there's a lot of ones that you, you stop simply because you played the percentage and the percentage says this is the position you should be in. Now this is all I'm knowing from talking to goaltender and coaches. I personally always went top shelf, so I like guys that went down. Right. It made it easier for me. But this is the, the, uh, there's a lot of uh, study by goaltending coaches to find out which is the best way for a goaltender to play, and this is what they've come up with. Well, when a goalie, and again, this is just from observation and talking to people, but when a goalie drops down into the butterfly and splays his plags, uh, his pads apart and puts his stick over the five hole, you're not scoring low. No, not so, at all. So then he's he's daring you, okay, hit the six-inch spot over my shoulder well, if you can, right? a great example tonight was at the very end of the game where the goalie went down, Halbuck went down, Lucci has it in the slot, so his only shot is to go up high, and Lucic puts it just over the crossbar. Played the percentages that he wasn't going to be able to make the shot. Oilers lose 4-3 to the Winnipeg Jets. we got Tony and Jared up next on the line. You'll hear from head coach Todd McClellan, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. Just uh, looking on Twitter here, Paul Maurice, coach of the Jets, saying on Mark Shifley's injury, initially I wouldn't say it looks very good, but we will know better tomorrow. Shifley tangled up with Brandon Davidson tonight, slides hard into the boards to the right of Cam Talbot. Looked extremely uncomfortable. Obviously when a guy starts kicking his legs like that, mm-hmm. you know it's not a good sign. Got uh, Trainer came out, looked like a right shoulder. Again, difficult to know for sure. Sh- 
for shoulder, sure. Shoulder, collarbone, one of the two. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, the leading scorer for the Jets, great player, unable to finish the game. Through. And we won't see him here on New Year's Eve. He won't be playing oh, in that game. Yeah, good point. Oilers uh, have a four-game homestand coming up. So, unfortunately, they drop back below 500, 17, 18, and 2 on the season. They are 7-4 and four in December. Three-game win streak at home, so a chance to... Continue being much better at home, which they were on the uh, last week before Christmas. So four home games coming up, Chicago and the Jets here to round out 2017. 4-3, the Jets beat the Oilers tonight. We have Tony on the open line. Hi, Tony. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. So I have an opinion, and you guys guys can deny me if you want. But during that whole, like the whole couple last games I've noticed is, yeah, I'm going to rag on him a little bit. Um, McDavid, I've noticed that, you know, he does have a good shot. Probably one of the best ones on the team. But, yeah, I feel like he's too scared to shoot it. Like, during that whole two minutes that we were in the zone, there are at least three good opportunities for him to shoot that puck and possibly get a goal, but he's too busy trying to find the open guy on either the wing or the blue line. Well, I mean, we've had, we've been questioned about that before. I mean, should he shoot more? He yeah. led the Oilers in shots last year, so he still actually does shoot quite a bit. Uh, I didn't even check if he's leading this year. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely leading this year by about 10. So oh, cleft he, bombs. And, and he did actually shoot, he did shoot at the end because he the Halibut made a save on him when he got up high. Uh, again, uh, Connor McDavid is, if not the best in the world, he's in the top two. And his decision-making, I'm sure that if Drysettle doesn't score today, people are questioning whether he should have dropped the puck to Drysettle when they were a shorthanded breakaway. Would Connor McDavid be more effective if he shot more? Probably would, but I think when you are the leading scorer in the National Hockey League, defending leading scorer, when you are either the best or second-best player in the world, I'm going to go with he has a better idea of what to do on the ice than, than we do watching, and he can make plays that no, most of us don't see. Uh, we'd, I'd love to see him shoot more as well, but this is Connor McDavid, and I think his decision making is pretty darn good. No, I just, I just wondered because, as I said, there are a few times where tonight where he had an open lane, and instead of shooting the puck and maybe getting the, the, the puck in, he has it to somebody, and the and the puck go all the way down the ice. Yeah, I think I think probably a play you're talking about, Tony, is is when he and it doesn't just happen tonight. I mean, he he gets speed, he cuts into the middle, and you think, oh, he's in the slot, and you just want him to rip it because mm-hmm. he has he does have a, a pretty lethal wrist shot as well. Uh, you know, I I think he's I think it's just his mindset to set up his teammates. Yep, there was in that there was situation. So I think the one you're talking about too, Reed, and we we talked about right, it was he and Lucic came in on a two on two, and he cut in front of the defenseman, and then he tried passing to Milan on that one. I'd love to see him fire the puck because he, Milan has strengths. I don't know if one of his strengths would be to take a puck on the fly, turn his body, and shoot because he's not one-timing it there because he's on his normal side. So for me, if he, Connor shoots it on net, Milan's strength is driving to the net right. and being able to get a rebound. I think that's an easier way to get the puck to Milan Lucic than making the pass. Uh, but again, uh, I think Connor makes more right decisions than wrong decisions. And sometimes he makes the decision, and you're like, "That's oh, yeah, actually, that turned out pretty good, Connor. Good call. Oilers lose 4-3 to the Jets. More of your phone calls in a minute here, 780-496-0063. Back to Winnipeg. Here's head coach Todd McClellan. Change that. Oh, well, I don't know if I agree with him. I'm not sure that we did tighten it up. Um, I thought that 
the work ethic and the, the commitment to wanting to work hard was there tonight, but our uh, our smarts, our hockey smarts didn't exist. Um, a lot of times we were stepping up in the neutral zone. We had poor support in behind, face-off execution, number of turnovers, stuff that we need to do uh, a much better job of against a team like that. And they had, uh, you know, they had their share of two-on-ones and, and three-on-twos that were preventable and things we could have done better. So I don't completely agree with the group when they when they say that, but. Um, uh, the, the commitment to working was there, but the smarts weren't. Like you said this morning, you hoped that the legs and the hands and the hockey sense would be there. The first two were there, but the... No, yeah, the third one wasn't. And, you know, it was there at times. Um, even at the end on the power play, we want to establish a shot real quick, and we turn it over. And You know, just simple things. Um, face-off play, we give up for a breakaway. Um, get lazy on a pass, and and they step inside it. So there, there's some things that we can do mentally better um, I thought they had a goal or two off lazy line changes. So, um, you know, those are all those are all hockey smart, hockey sense type scenarios that uh, we could have done a better job at. And then in the third, they kept getting power plays, and one of them carries over the penalty, but they kept getting power plays, and you couldn't get them. Well, eight, eight minutes of the night we spent killing. And, um, you know, when you play a team like that, they get some energy and some momentum, especially in home ice off of, uh, off of their power play, whether they score or not. And I thought their energy went, level went up, and uh, we ended up taking a few of our players out of the game because of the, the penalty kill. Davidson's play, the breakaway, was it just a softer pass? To well, it was a it was a pass that was errant, and you know it should have been a lot firmer. But yeah. Lars shouldn't have been opening up and fading away. Um, he should be staying in that slot and coming to the puck rather than going away from it. So it's a combination of both. You know, the boards are so heavy and so hard that when you go into them like that and you can't protect yourself or slow down, um, something's got to give. And, you know, hopefully um, he's not hurt, uh, seriously hurt. We want to have our star players, or all players, in, in the game. So. Jesse's game. Yeah, he was shooting the puck, and uh, I thought he created, uh, you know, some good chances. Um, you know, the one thing that we don't have to tell Jesse to do where we have to tell some others is, is to shoot it. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of guys come down two-on-ones, and this goes back to the smarts. Just watch J.J. Kyra shoot it in the net, and we come down to, on a two-on-one and dump it into the corner. So, um, you know, that's that comes back to the hockey sense thing. Did you think you had all four lines going or just a couple of lines? And then... Well, we had different lines at different times. We never consistently could get all four going. Um, you know, I think after the, the second period, I don't think Tess line had a shot on goal. And normally over the last uh, two or three weeks, they've been very effective. They've been able to cycle and keep plays alive and, and get the opposition on their heels, and that didn't happen tonight. Cam managed to keep it at 4-3 for as long as he could. He yep. Some, he made some, some good saves when we needed He was tested. They were uh, tough saves. What's the next step for Jesse, for him and his development? What do you want to see more of? Because he's playing really well. Uh, oh, uh, I just want to see him keep, keep doing what he's doing. Well, I'm going to put too much more on his plate right now. Uh, let's let him settle in with what he's doing. And uh, by no means am I going to put extra pressure on him, um, you know, through the media that way. Uh, we like a lot of things he's doing. You see the same Jets team Sunday. What do you hope that your team has learned from today's game that you might bring forward on Sunday? Well, I think we're, you know, we're a better team than we played tonight, than, than we exposed ourselves to. Um, you know, we can't give up outnumbered rushes. We have to have good better puck support when we don't have the puck and uh, our better 
situational support when we don't have the puck, and that's that's an area that will have to improve. Is this just the Christmas break, like you were wondering about Christmas break, so you have no idea how your team's going to come up? No, they, and like I said, they worked hard. It was just that the mental aspect wasn't where it needed to be. So we'll get a good practice in tomorrow, and we've got some uh, some big games coming up. All right, head coach Todd McClellan not thrilled with the Oilers' 4-3 loss to the Winnipeg Jets. One thing that stuck out there, Rob, hockey smarts didn't exist, he said. He specifically mentioned turnovers, stepping up in the neutral zone, a couple of things we talked about earlier, and uh, the Jets, uh, you know, getting more out, outmanned opportunities than the Oilers. The shots on goal, 39-25 in favor of Winnipeg. Well, I, I think at the end of the night, the score really indicated the way the game went. Winnipeg was better and, and and you and I have been talking, we talked during the game between periods that a lot of what Todd said was what we were thinking. The, the Oilers weren't getting out work, they were getting out thought. And the, the, the Oilers had some bad line changes. They weren't back checking hard enough or weren't in the right position and then defensemen not realizing that and, and going out of their positioning and then creating two-on-ones, three-on-twos. And you can't do that against good teams. You can get away with it when you play against a team that doesn't score much. But the Winnipeg Jets, even with Shifley out of the lineup for most of the game, they got guys that can score. Armia was on their their, their fourth line, yep. and he looked like a first-liner the way he played tonight, the chances he created. So you can't give up easy opportunities, and the Oilers did too many times tonight, and it came back and, and, and haunted them. That'll be something they'll have to change against Chicago. The adjustment of the game to look for on Friday for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. You can reach us, 780-496-0063. We have Jared on the line. Jared, thank you for calling. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks, buddy. Same to you. Uh, I just got a, a comment and then actually like a, a question for Rob. I watched the, the World Juniors, the Finns against Canada yesterday, and one of the commentators said that the Finns have, I believe, five uh, forwards that are six foot four or bigger on their roster. And I was just thinking back to the Finns in the 80s with Matty Hagman and Yeri Curry and the, like Ristol Siltonen and Ryle Rutilain, the smaller Finns. And you think that even the Russians, when they had Makarov and Krutov and then the Bure and Fedorov era, and you think now um, how big the Finns are. And when I watched them yesterday, I didn't, like I remember in 1993 at the St. Albert Banting Tournament, there was a team from Finland. And they were the best team I'd ever see play at any level in terms of how dominant they were. I'd never seen a team handle and move the puck that well. But when I watched the Finns um, yesterday, they seemed like almost like a Canadian hockey team. So I guess my question is, how much have you seen the European players change in terms of their kind of, I guess you'd call like ethnic style, like the Russian style, the Finnish, the Swedish style, in order to like almost produce players to play into the NHL? Okay, Jared, that's a great question. I hate to do this to you. We're going to do the news, and then Rob's going to answer it after. Okay, so I assume you're listening at home or in your truck? Okay, yeah, so I can, I'll just... Uh, yeah, I'll we'll, just... we'll answer it right after the news. Thanks, buddy. It's good to hear from okay. you again. Bye-bye. All right, good question. I know some people, Rob, say the Finns play most like Canadians, yep. so I want to get your take on that when we get back. Oilers lose 4-3 tonight. Yes, he pulled did have a goal, seventh of the season for Edmonton. They have all come on the road. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. 
Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chat. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. So we had a question from uh, Jared, who gives us mm-hmm. a call uh, usually every week or two. And he was talking about the size of the Finnish World Junior Team and the style of play from nation to nation. Is, yep. it, is it fair to say certain countries... Uh, play a certain way, can that lead maybe to unhealthy or inaccurate stereotypes when you're talking about certain <laughs> well, players? Come on, because I mean, t- ch- I agree that countries can have certain styles, yep. but they can also evolve and change, Rob. So how do you see that? Well, first of all, the size, all players are bigger. I mean, I, I go watch a lot of youth hockey. I go out on the ice with uh, in, in St. Albert and work with all the, the rep teams there, and it's amazing. I can go out in Bantam games and bantam practices, excuse me, and look up to kids out there. Like, they're all getting bigger and stronger and, and much more coordinated. It used to be the big players, you know, those are the guys you like going against because they were gonky and uncoordinated. <laughs> it was young, it was the smaller guys you wanted to stay away from because they're very agile. Now all the big guys can move too. So uh, just like every country you look, they're all getting bigger and stronger. As for style of play, the Finns normally played like the Canadians. They would be the most similar uh, as, as to the Canadians. Um, I think that... There's a couple of reasons you're seeing countries now more of them play alike than different. Uh, one of is that the Canadians have always been the most successful. So you always, whatever team's winning, whatever sport it is, you start to emulate it. The Golden State Warriors are doing this. Well, let's try and do that. Right. The New England Patriots are doing this. Let's try and do that. Let's draft that way. Let's try and coach that way. Let's try and play that way. So when the Canadians win all the time, team countries are tired of losing. Well, let's start adapting. And having said that, uh, Hockey Canada and the Canadian hockey players steal from every country. They see how different countries train. They see some things they like, they, they bring it in. They watch other teams practice, other countries practice. Well, they really like what they're doing there. I like what they do on their power play. I like how their defensemen jump up. So you always steal. Good coaches steal from other good coaches, and they just implement it into their teams. And another reason countries now are becoming more similar, a lot of the people that are running Finland, Sweden, Russian, Czech, are former NHL players or pro players right, from over point. here. Yeah. So now they go back and they've learned all of the Canadian or, or the North American style of play. They take it back, and that's how they teach, how they learn when they were over in North America. Well, and, and to, to coach an international team, to, to play for an international team, you have to be that nationality. Yes. To coach, you don't. I mean, we saw Ralph Kruger mm-hmm. coaching Switzerland uh, well, with Manny Vivrios and Rob Dom. Uh, was it Denmark? Aus- Austria. 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 And, well, and we talked just the other day, it's South Korea. It's uh, Jimmy well, yeah, Pack. Your buddy Jim. Jimmy Pack, who show. was in Pittsburgh. So, uh, all these guys, and, but even the guys, the Russians that go back to Russia. I mean, you already Curry was always involved with the Finnish national program played over here. So you're taking at home all the things you learned from all the great coaches that you had over here and you start implementing into your own program. So Jim Pack is just showing the South Korean team video of your 49 goals in 88-89. He might be showing win gold. Well, he might be showing more of what Mario was doing <laughs> before I got the puck to score goals. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting too now with South Korea and the Olympics yep. without the NHL players there. There should be less of a gap, it, it should, theoretically. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and it'll be interesting. Um, I, mean, I, I want to see when they put out the schedule for that, what time the games are at. It was one thing waking up at 4 in the morning or 2 in the morning to watch Crosby and McDavid yeah, and different. Tavares. It might be a little different waking up at 2 in the morning to watch. Uh, what was the guy that we... Clink Hammer and... Uh, who else was on the team? That well, Scrivens, Mason, I think. Ra- Mason Raymond might be Mason on Raymond, team. Yeah. Uh, Scrivens might be in yeah. goal. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. Oilers lose 4-3 to the Jets tonight. We're looking for someone to finish the play. If you like winning stuff, 780-496-0063. The Japanese Village goal light is dim tonight. 
on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, you can go to our website, print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. Speaking of international hockey, 6 nothing Canada rings up Slovakia at the World Juniors. Only one bad thing about that is Jake Bean, uh, the second defenseman so far in this tournament to go out with injury. He went crashing into the boards. It looked ugly. Hopefully he will be fine, but he did not finish the game. The Edmonton Oil Kings win tonight 3-1 in Red Deer as we look at the Advantage Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard. The Oilers AHL team, Bakersfield Condors, trailing Ontario 3-2 early in the third. NHL action this evening. Well, pretty good night for the home teams. Coming off the break, we wondered how road versus home would perform. All right, so home winners coming up. Boston over Ottawa 5-1. Devils over Red Wings 3-1. Islanders beat Buffalo 3-2 in overtime. Penguins come from behind, take down the Blue Jackets 5-4 in a shootout. Carolina tops Montreal 3-1. The Wild beat the Stars 4-2. The Rangers win in a shootout 1-0 over the Capitals. Now, the road winners tonight, Coyotes beat the Avalanche 3-1. The Predators win 2-1 in St. Louis. And in progress, late in the second, Vegas, who never seems to lose anywhere, home or away, uh, lead Anaheim 2-1 late in the second period. So just two home winners uh, so far tonight out of two, the two away 10 winners. games. Or two, yes. two away winners, pardon me, out of the 10 games done. And you and I talked before the game, and, and I said that... The, the home has a huge advantage. There's a reason teams fly in the day before throughout the, the regular season because you get in at a proper time, you get a proper meal, get proper rest. But when you're getting up at 4.35, whatever Bob said they had to do this morning to get there, it, it messes up your cycle, you're tired. The home team has an advantage. It's not an excuse, but it is an, act, an actuality. And I know from fact, I'd, I'd rather be sleeping in my bed, sleeping the normal amount of hours, getting up and having my normal routine instead of having the weird one that a lot of the teams had today on the road. All right, so the Oilers fall 4-3 to the Winnipeg Jets. We have uh, Barry standing by. Barry, how was your Christmas? Oh, just excellent. Lots of food, lots of food. <laughs> <laughs> would you like one more gift? Uh, sure, I would. All right, we want to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Here's the clue. Attacking left wing, gets it back from Little. What timer, what a save on Armia by Talbot. Robbing him of a certain hat trick. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins to center ice. Brilliant save by Talbot. One of Talbot's best saves of the year. Coming into tonight, Barry, Talbot had a personal winning streak going. Was it seven games or 12 games? Seven games. Absolutely, buddy. Stay on the line, okay? You win, finish the play. That was good. That was easy. Well, I didn't want to make it too hard. Well, it's good because I was worried if you said six or seven, I'm like, okay, yeah, which I one thought that'd was be it? a little unfair. <laughs> people coming back after Christmas, probably some a lot of people still didn't work today, so yeah. it feels like turkey Saturday brain or right Sunday. now. Yep. A lot of turkey brain going on. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Oilers goal scorers tonight: Drysaddle short-handed, Puliyarvi scored on a rebound, and Jujar Kara with a nice wrist shot for his seventh of the season. And I'm going to give my fourth star of the game, Rob, for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates to Jujar Kara. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought he played well. Again, he, he's gaining in confidence. Had another great play. I, I think it was Nurse got fought the puck out to him from behind the net on a forecheck, and Jujar put it just all the way across the crease and right off the far post. It just barely missed going in. Uh, Jujar has been a revelation. I don't know if they ever expected him to be in a top two or three-line role playing with a Leon Dreisaitl and producing, 
but he does the little things. He, he plays hard. He plays smart. He, he plays with confidence, and that has allowed the Edmonton Oilers to run three centermen through the middle there. Oilers needed one more tonight, though. They lose 4-3 to the Jets. We'll talk about their flurry at the end of the game when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. Okay, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope you had a great Christmas. It's 944. Along with former Pittsburgh Penguin Rob Brown, I am Reed Wilkins. I once dressed as a penguin. That's not even true. I was just trying to make <laughs> just trying to make some kind of a weird penguin joke. Now you're gonna have to. Are one there day. a lot of penguin jokes out there that, that don't involve they all involve tuxedos, I would assume. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I I don't know if um I got a penguin with a scarf on a t-shirt for Christmas this year. Really? I did. Yep, from my mother-in-law. That sounds incredible. It is. I should have worn it tonight. Now I'm gonna, I'll wear it next game for you. I'll wear, I'll wear it in the press box and see how long it takes to get yelled at. Well, they're not playing the... It's, <laughs> is it the Penguins logo or is it just a Penguin? It's a big Penguin, but it's a t-shirt though. Oh, okay. It's a working press box. Well, that's true. That's we, true. We tend so. to dress formally. We're just wearing and, and warm. <laughs> yeah, we, we dress warmly now. Uh, Winnipeg beating Edmonton four three tonight. The Jets are thirteen three and one at home, sixteen zero and one when leading after two periods. The Oilers' road record slips to nine eight and two for the season overall. They are seventeen eighteen and two. Chicago next up on Friday night. Okay, so these two teams played in the World Hockey Association. Mm-hmm. So the face-off trivia question was, which Oiler won the Gordie Howe Award as the MVP in the WHL in its last season in 78-79, and it was not Wayne Gretzky? Yeah, I heard you say it wasn't This was Wayne. for a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery from Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at ArmorInsurance.ca. Uh, a guy just randomly started. I don't even know how he stumbled on this. Blair McDonald? As good a guess as any. I'll give you one hint. He was a goalie. Oh, was that Eddie Mio? No, his brother was an even more famous. Steve goalie. Dryden. Dave Dryden. Dave Steve Dryden. Dryden's the writer. Oh, did he win it? <laughs> yeah, he could have won it. They let everybody play in that league. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't have guessed like that. Cincinnati no. had a team. How hard? Birmingham had a team. How hard? How hard was that? Was it? Wasn't it the Birmingham Bulls? They actually had a pretty cool logo. I remember. I think it was the Bulls, wasn't it? The Toros uh, or something? It was the Birmingham Bulls. I think yeah. it was the Toronto Toros. That was it. Yeah. For a while, I remember there was the Cincinnati Stingers. Yep. Who else? I, Baltimore. Was there Baltimore Blades? I think there was a Baltimore Blades. I don't remember the Baltimore team. I remember the, I don't know where Cincinnati played, because I played in Cincinnati in the minors, and it was an old, beat-up, ugly arena. And that really? had to have been where they played, Probably, because yeah. there wasn't anything else there. It was bad. So Did you ever go to any minor, like even, because you were in, the obviously, the top level of minor leagues, right? Because you were in the yeah. IHL yeah. before it folded. And yeah. Were you ever in the AHL? Yeah, I finished my career in the AHL. Oh, because the leagues... The leagues, they got merged, and right, I eventually some, went to the Some a. IHL teams folded, and they joined the yeah, AHL. Yeah, and Chicago was one of the three or four so that was, moved. So was there... I mean, obviously, there were some, incre- there's, there's some incredible minor league markets, but did you ever have any where it's like, great, there's 800 people here? Oh, a lot, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think, well, where did we go that were, was bad? Peoria, at times, it was in a very, very empty rink. Kansas City, at times, was a very, very empty rink. Fort Wayne, if you got there in the middle of the week, it wasn't a lot of fun. On the weekends, they packed it. And it was kind of a neat place to play. And it was, but there were a lot of those ones that were a little intimidating to go into. They were dark and smoky, and the crowd was right on top of you. And a lot of the crowds in, in those rinks, they weren't there to enjoy the skilled part of the game. They were there to see the blood and the fights. Right. And they were, they were screaming and yelling. And the only time they ever cheered is if someone beat somebody up. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be a long night. 
But it was, it was, uh, I learned a lot I, I, on those trips to some of these different cities. I learned that I really wanted to get back to the National Hockey League as fast as I could. <laughs> but uh, it, it was neat. Had some cool friendships. And the IHL was neat because in our, our league we had San Antonio, we had San Francisco, San Diego, Las Vegas, Phoenix, Houston. Uh, it was a, it was some pretty cool cities, fun cities to go to. And you got to, to, to live to. in Chicago. Got to, yeah, I used to, my, my wife and I, uh, we owned a place right beside Wrigley Field. We are about 100 and, 110 yards away from Wrigley Field. Like we, my, When we had That's the twins, incredible. we'd have the twins. My wife would take one out, put it in the carriage, and have the scalper dudes out there look after my son <laughs> while she went back into the brownstone <laughs> to get my daughter and come out. My, my kids went to their first Cubbies game when they were, I think, six weeks old. That's we amazing. had an afternoon game. We're sitting in there with the Cubbies, so it was pretty cool. Oilers fall 4-3 in Winnipeg tonight. So, Rob, the Oilers got a power play, their first of the game with 8.07 to go. Jets had too many men. And then the Oilers pulled Talbot, early pull, even by today's yep. standards and by McClellan's standards, with 2.23 left. So the Oilers had an extra skater for 4.23 of the last 8.07. Couldn't pull even. They couldn't. Their power play wasn't good. They, they didn't get very, very, very good looks on it. Uh, they seemed to, and I don't know if this, again, was the puck bobbling or the fact that they were a little rusty, but they got easy access into the offensive zone, and then their first pass after they got in there was uh, either tipped or, or misplayed or, or in, in a bad position to accept, and it got iced. So their power play wasn't good. When they pulled the goal, I think it was 227 left to go in the game. And those, everyone says, you know, you always pull around a minute, 10, minute, 20, but it, it's, not, it's not based on the time. It's based on when your best players are ready to go out. And the Oilers' best players at that time, it was their turn to come up. So if they go out on that shift and it comes down, they're out there minute, 20, minute 10, it comes down to a minute to go in the game, all of a sudden McDavid and Dreisaitl and Lucic, they're not going to be on the ice for the last minute with the, with the goalie pulled. So it was. I thought it was a smart move by McClellan. They had face-off in the offensive zone. All their best players were rested. It was their turn to come up, pull your goalie and get a chance. And the, the Jets had the one chance where... I, I can't remember. It was Ellers dove and just missed an open net, and then after that, it was the it was a shooting gallery. Yeah. And uh, give credit. This is what, what we saw with the Oilers being successful last year. Is they would give all, lay it all out, to do whatever it took to win a hockey game. That's what the Jets did in the last two minutes of this game. They blocked everything thrown at them by the Oilers. Got a couple saves, a couple missed opportunities by the Oilers. Lucic a couple times the puck on his stick wasn't able to capitalize. But the last two minutes was pretty exciting, and it is hard to believe that the Oilers did not put one of those in the net because they had a number of very good looks. Oilers' power play was 0-for-1. The Jets' power play was 0-for-4, though they did score one right after an Oilers' power play expired, and that was the uh, nurse penalty that Dreisaitl scored the shorthanded goal on, got a 2 on nothing with, with Connor McDavid. So, yeah, I mean, the Oilers are, aren't getting as... I mean, generally in their games, the other team gets more power plays. Mm-hmm. And when they've needed a big power play goal, despite the fact they're playing a lot better over the last month or so, they're still not often getting that big goal at the time. Now, tonight they just had the had the one chance, but like you said, it didn't generate very much. So I think that's something they're still going to work on. Uh, Pooley Garvey is on the power play yeah. now. I'm sure eventually he'll be on the unit with Dreisaitl and McDavid, or maybe, you know, they get broken up at, at at some point. But, yeah, I mean, and then Lucic got that shot, like you said, Rob, a second and a half left. And, I mean, it was amazing. As desperate as the Jets were playing, it was amazing how often the Oilers kept the puck alive. And yes. it looked like Winnipeg, and even on that last one, 
the I think it was Latest who missed the chance at the side of the net. Puck goes behind the net. It gets rimmed around with four seconds left. And you think, well, it's over. And they still got it to Lucic. Pretty good position. Oh, yeah, great. I we've mean, it's, see, we've seen him fire at home from there. Yeah, I, I agree. And, again, I, I, I was like you when the puck... When Latestu missed it and the puck got put behind the net, I'm thinking game's over. Because I looked up and I think it was 2.7 seconds or 2.9 seconds by the time it got to the corner. So I'm thinking it's done. But I, I don't. I think it was either McDavid or Drysdale. I'm not sure which one. Made an absolute perfect pass to, to Lucic, who asked, and it's tough because you're a lefty, so you have to receive the pass, and then you have to turn your body to get yourself open to put it on net. And he still had enough time to get it. And if he puts the puck and if he hits the net, it, it would have counted. But he went over that, which is weird, because the one thing that we do not see Lucic do very often is shoot high. That's right. Milan Lucic, 99% of the time, he's going lower five hole. But this time he tried going high, and he just put it over the net. And that's when we talked earlier about goaltenders yeah. playing the percentages. It's hard to hit that spot. And he wasn't able to. Had he hit it, it was open. And we saw the, the replay. It went over the crossbar. There was a wide open space there. So the Oilers had their chances. But they had a couple other chances where the puck just bounced. One, Benning walked into a one-timer. And the puck bounces just before he hits it. And the puck just flutters. Lucic in the slot. Puck hits a stick. It explodes. So they had their chance. They just... It, and I, it would have been one of those ones where Paul Maurice and the Winnipeg Jets, if Edmonton had scored there, would have said, you know what? There was an unjust ending to a game. Oh, yeah, because sure. the... The Winnipeg Jets were the better team for the majority of the night, but what we saw last year, Cam Talbot gives you a chance to win games that you're not playing well in, and what we didn't see that tonight that we did last year is your power play usually scored a late goal to send you into overtime. Let me ask you this. Jets go to 21-11-6. and six. Yep. Excellent record. How, how do you think they stack up against St. Louis and Nashville? Because like, in my mind... Nashville is just is just deadly. They can they can do they can beat you however, however however they want. To me, I believe Nashville's the best team. I think they're just so deep, and they've been playing their whole year just like the others have not had Sacra. They haven't had Ellis, who would be well on most teams. He could be a number two or three well, defenseman. That, that he's, team he's one of the top four, but top four. But and he's very good. And they haven't had him at all this year. But like the Oilers have, when they break up their sentiment, that's what uh, the Predators have. Once they got Turris out of to yeah. Ottawa, they added Ottawa's best player without giving anything up off of their roster. Nashville's good. They did, apparently they didn't get much off Colorado roster. <laughs> what were you saying the stats were? Well, I, I, and since the the trade, both this is going into tonight, both Turris and Duchesne, who more or less were the two stars that were traded sure. in that one. Ottawa, uh, they got Duchesne. He's got seven points in 20 games. He's minus nine, and they've got four regulation wins in those 20 games. The opposite, I didn't see what Nashville's record was, but Turris in 20 games has 17 points, and he's plus six. So, I mean, there's no comparison of what... And Nash, so Nashville got a point-a-game guy mm-hmm. without giving anything up. So I think Nashville's the best team. I think Winnipeg, when healthy, I think they may be stronger than St. Louis because they have depth. They're missing two of their top three defensemen. That's a good point, yeah. And they're missing Shifley right now, who didn't play most of the game tonight. But you add a Bufflin and an Enstrom into your, your lineup, and you also in your third pairing of defensemen are really, really strong. So mm-hmm. it, it'll all be depending for Winnipeg. Is, is Hellebuck for real this year? Or does he just is he just a flash in the pan? And he's going to get back to where he was last year because Mason, who they signed, has not been no, very good the for them. I mean, Hellebuck now nineteen four and five, yeah. and he's been you know he's been a hot prospect that they they hoped was coming. So looks like he's living that out now. Rob, 
See if the Oilers can get it going Friday night against Chicago. We'll talk to you then, buddy. Sounds good. That's our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown. I want to thank our studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. You can get more on 630Ched.com. That next broadcast will be Friday night. It will be the Oilers home to Chicago. Face-off show will be at 5.30, and our game will start at 7. 4-3, Winnipeg taking it tonight. Joel Armia had two goals for the Jets. Dreisaitl shorthanded. Puli Yarvi and Kara had the goals for Edmonton. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.